food bank by offering a service on Tuesday. And when we talked about me and the team that um, helped put on that Tuesday service, um, one of the, a couple words really came to our mind, which is this idea that Jesus is the light of the world. And I remember um, when I thought back about to um, Christmases of, you know, ages past, um, I kind of remember, you know, I, my first job ever was in retail. I worked at Target. I was a glorified cart chaser, and I loved that job. And, um, but before we get into that, I want to read from God's Word. One of the things I love about this church is that we honor God's holy word. I don't even like calling this a book because it is more than a book. If you just call it a book, it has the same power as, you know, a mystery novel. It has the same power as a magazine that we see in the grocery stores. I call this God's living word because that's what it is. And we as a church, how we honor that is when we read from this corporately, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. That is how we honor God's word. So if you brought your Bibles today, we are going to be reading in um, Luke chapter 2, which is some of the most dearest passages of the Bible, for this tells of the coming of our Savior. In Luke 2, in the 8th verse, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth peace, goodwill toward men. And Lord Jesus, we come to your word today. We ask that you open up our hearts. Not only that, you open up our minds to the power of the Holy Spirit, that um, we hear a word from you today. As we go into this busy season, that um, our hearts and our minds are bent back toward you, that you came out of heaven, stepped down from your throne in a humble way, in a humble place to serve us. And that in the end, as we talked about in communion, that you would die on a cross for us, us personally. Not just me because I was part of everyone, but you did it for me and you would have done it if I was the only one here on planet Earth. We thank you and praise you, our Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And all of the church said, Amen. You may be seated. I remember when I was 17 years old, I felt really cool. I grew up in a little small farm town in the middle of nowhere in California called Porterville. And there was about three major places that if you had a job there, it was a big deal. Um, one of them was Target. Um, the other one was where my dad worked. Um, he was a store manager I'm from a retail family. He worked for a company called Mervyn's. Couldn't work there. And um, Walmart. Um, and at the distribution center. And um, Christmas in this little small farm town was just amazing. I remember a lot of times that we didn't see the sun very often because of the Tule River fog. And so, you know, the fog has an amazing effect on Christmas lights. We had a small city. We had a huge Christmas parade. I remember in my high school, it um, was about 2,000, 3,000 kids, and about one in three kids was in our band. In our yearbook, when you open it open, it, we needed a whole spread form because it literally took an entire spread to capture our entire band. And I remember every year going with my family out to that parade, watching my high school and the, rival, the other high school that we shall not mention. Uh, they would start and begin the parade. And I loved that time of year. And then I got that job in retail. And if anybody who works in the retail industry or works in the service industry 
oh, nothing saps the joy out of Christmas more than that. I remember my first Christmas, I was like, yay, it's Christmas, and I'm helping getting all these things ready in the back of the store, and I'm like, all these people are coming in, and I'm singing songs. And I remember the second year, I was like, we'll survive. We'll get through this. And my third year, it was kind of like, it's Christmas. And even by the fourth year, when I started seeing it in July, I'm like, what is this doing here? I'm not ready. I just barely recovered from the year before. And being in the service industry for over 17 years, I have learned something rather important about this time of year. Before we get that, I want you know, to dial into this, that we look into Luke chapter 2, because it's so easy to miss the real reason for this time of year. Not only this time of year, but every single day. In Luke chapter 2, it starts off now, now there we're in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields. This is kind of an important thing. It's kind of easy to miss this, that now in the same country, you know, what does that mean? If you back it up to the beginning of verse 1 in chapter 2, um, we have the story of Joseph and Mary making a journey to the census. Um, it was taken by Quirinius, the governor of Syria. Um, at this time, Israel is being, has been dominated or subjugated to the rule of Rome. And this governor wanted to know how many people live here. And he said every single person is to report to their city of birth and to be counted. And Mary, who is pregnant, Joseph, who is dealing with a pregnant wife, is told that he needs to take his pregnant wife and travel. And they get on this donkey, and they go to the city of Bethlehem, the city of David. And the writer of this book, Luke, continues and says, you know, in this same country, shepherds were living out in the fields. When I chased carts, I, I kind of named some of them. Some of them were wobbly. Some of them were squeaky. But in a lot of ways, I was a shepherd. And I loved the time when the sun would set, especially during the summer because it would be blistering hot out there. And the amazing array of colors would sweep over the, you know, the, the dome of the sky. It would start off with blues and fade to reds and oranges. And one of my favorite shades of blue is as darkness is sweeping across the horizon, hitting the top, that shade of blue that is like deep, of deep royal blues, the color of the ocean. It's one of my favorite colors. And even every once in a while, when I'm even in Vegas, one of the things, we have some amazing sunsets here. That we, I will stand out there and I will look up and I'll see that, and I will remember that 17-year-old boy just shepherding carts and looking at that. Um, it was a thankless job. Most people don't think, oh, hey, you know, this cart, you know, somehow got back inside. Just like those shepherds. Um, they would sleep out in the wilderness, hanging out with sheep. And if you know about sheep, they're not the most savory, sm great smelling creatures on the planet. Um, they're also not the smartest. Um, they're one of the fewest animals on the planet that have zero defense mechanisms. It's not like they got claws to fight away, you know, bears and wolves and lions. They don't have a ferocious bark or teeth. They have a pile of fur. They can't even get swim. If they get covered about halfway with water, they're stuck. They're immobilized. They can't move. And if they completely get submerged, it's over. They can't. They're kind of helpless. So they require this shepherd. And I think it's a great analogy for us today that we need shepherding. We are sheep. And um, it's a thankless job and it's dangerous. I would be out there and holiday revelers are buying and they're shopping and they're driving and they're not paying attention dodging cars. I remember quite a few times that I've ended up on hoods of cars. I'm like, how do you miss this entire 
line of red carts moving in front of you and a guy wearing his bright red vest with orange reflections on it. Um, but looking at the wreaths up on the streetlights, thinking about the things that they bought. And it's so easy in this time of year to lose sight of why we're here. Not only in the season, but every day. This isn't a message that's just for Christmas and the tree. This is a message that we should hang on to every single day of our lives. And as I think about these shepherds as they're out in the fields, that um, I kind of imagine what they felt. Um, they're sitting there, and their sheep are going every which direction. As soon as they fall asleep, and, you know, sheep makes a noise and bumps into another one, and they're all going, Meh, at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'd be, you know, the wind would blow out in the parking lot, and I'm like, oh, there goes Wobbly. We'll run after it. And I think some of us get what it's like to be out in the cold watching a flock by night at this time of year. I understand that for some of you in your lives this season or this time of year has been marked with tragedy. And I'm not saying by any stretch of the means that the service industry and your tragedy are the same, but it's real. I also get during this time of year there is a difference in focus and perspective. For some of us, it's loneliness. For some of us, it is a need for work. For some of us, it is a need for provision. And as we're focusing on our perspectives and on tragedy, it is so easy for the enemy of our soul to rob us of something so crucially important, the light of the world, which is our perspective on Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the first point, which this time of year can be a season of intensity and extremes. For some of us, Thanksgiving and Christmas are heavy. For some of us, that's even, even more amplified for some of us who love this time of year because our perspective and our heart and our mind are all in the right place. I can imagine if you're one of those people that is racked with tragedy and racked with a loss of perspective, people like me will probably drive you crazy. You're like, get away from me. Weird. Because I work in retail and I work in the service industry, I am so deliberate about making sure I celebrate every holiday at a time. I want to make sure Halloween and the fun of that is, not necessarily the message, but the fun is there. Thanksgiving, I make sure I stop and I give thanks. I think it's so weird that Thanksgiving just completely gets forgotten. It gets one little end cap at most in a Target store or Walmart or the grocery store. If it wasn't for the giant turkey frying pans that we needed, it would be, yeah. We're talking about Black Friday before we even send our kids to school. And it's so easy to get caught up in all of this whirlwind and all of this mess and forget the reason why we're here on this planet as Christians, which is, first of all, to exalt the name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So that first one is that this time of year can be a season of intensity and extremes. Luke continues and says, And behold, um, in verse two, um, verse 9. And when every time we see this, and behold, that's something that should key you in. Especially if you're a reader of the New King James Version, um, which is our preferred translation here at Grapevine. We love them all. But when you see the word, and behold, anything like that, that should be something the Holy Spirit said, hey, dial into this. Check this out. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Um, there's a sense here, plural, them, shepherds. So if you think about it, if the average shepherd had, let's just even say, 10 sheep, and all of us were shepherds, and we all had 10 sheep, that's a pretty big area. 
A lot of times when we read this passage, we kind of think of it as like this localized, small thing. We see the word in verses 9 that he says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. But before them, verse 8, it says fields. I don't know many of you who think of a field and think of it as small. But a lot of times when we look at this verse, we kind of try to condense it down into something small. This is not something small. This is something on a, like, area, county level. In the field and where these shepherds laid. This isn't an isolated visitation, and it's at night. Most of us know not a lot good happens after midnight. If someone calls you after midnight, chances are it's not good, unless you're a night owl. Um, so for like me, nobody calls. I, I know it's not good if someone calls me before nine. Um, but they knew. So they're out in the fields, and behold, this angel of the Lord appears to them. We live in a city of lights. We live in a state. Um, that neighbor, some other states that kind of, you know, sadly, you know, almost worship this concept of UFOs, weird things in the sky, right lights, the atomic test site. Um, so maybe in our world, this is a little bit harder for us to kind of wrap our brains around. But this angel shows up, and he says, I love what the angel says right after. He says, and behold, he's telling them. So first of all, Luke is saying, hey, behold, check this out. And then the angel, Luke is saying, you know, capturing what this angel says, and says, this angel tells these shepherds, and behold, there is this voice booming over this region of fields and tells all of these shepherds, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. I love that he says, he starts off with saying, first of all, behold, don't be afraid. I'm pretty sure if I'm a shepherd and I have these flocks, which is my livelihood, and something happens to this flock, I'm in big trouble. I won't be able to eat. I will not have clothes. And we got this angel that appears before them, not knowing necessarily the intent, this bright light. And if I was a shepherd, as all I have is a shepherd's crook, that might kind of freak me out a little bit. And in that fear, I might miss what this angel saying. The angel got that. And I think the Holy Spirit understood that. And this angel told these shepherds, do not be afraid. That is a message for us today in this time of year that we are not afraid. We should not be afraid of our tragedy. We should not be afraid of our circumstance and our perspective. And those of us who call Jesus Christ the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, we should have zero fear for, you know, love casts out all fear. And if you know who the Lord Jesus is and you start to exact upon that faith and you start taking those steps of obedience, you should have no fear. And this angel says, do not be afraid. Do not, and so do not get distracted from this moment, for I have an important message I'm about ready to tell you. That I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. When you hear that, there's a sense of eternalness to this statement. It's not like for a week. He doesn't say, or dot, dot, for a month, or until dot, dot, Jesus ascends. He just says, I will bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. I do love language. In the context of this, the Greek words used here is forever. It's perpetual. Once, it's kind of like once it started, it's forever. And even to the shepherds, it's saying to you, you. I told you before, the shepherds are kind of a thankless job. There's one other group of people that hold, held more ire and more, you know, jokes flung at them than shepherds. Now it's tax collectors. Shepherds were literally almost just a step above that. Farmers. He's saying to you, this angel says, I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy, 
for all the people, including you. And I want to go back to that first point. I said, you know, this time of the year can be a season of intensity and extremes. I left a gap in there. I want you to write in there, but it doesn't have to be. We make a cognizant choice, which means a mental redecide in our hearts what the season and what our day looks like. We choose that perspective. This book talks over and over again, God's holy word. How do we see things? And how we see things affects how we experience this thing here on planet Earth. Because it doesn't have to be a season of intensities and extremes. What causes that is us and us getting focused on what the enemy of our soul, Satan, wants us to see. He wants to rob you of Jesus Christ. He wants to strip Christ out of Christmas. And it doesn't have to be. For the angel tells them, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Christ the Lord. Those shepherds would have known those words, and those words would have had some immense power to them. I do remember as a cart chaser that I would sit out there, and I had some of the best thoughts out there. I was alone. It was peaceful outside of honking cars and people trying to run me over. But for the most part, I had a lot of time to think and to dwell. And I am pretty sure somewhere in that group of shepherds was at least you know, a good handful of them that knew some of the older prophecies. That they went to the synagogue every single week. They listened from the Torah. And when they heard these words, Savior and Christ, light bulbs would have been turning on. The Greek word for Christ is the exact same word as Messiah in Hebrew. They have the same meaning. It means the anointed one, the blessed one, the promised one. And so when this angel tells them, do not be afraid, I bring you tidings of good news and joy for all men, and continues on saying, unto you this day in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, they're outside of Bethlehem. They're thinking, wow, that's like down the street from here. That a Savior who is the Christ the Lord. They're instantly thinking, the Messiah has come? Glad I wasn't afraid and I did not miss that message. And the angel says to you, and this will be a sign to you, this is an important reference because this holy word never contradicts itself. In the early parts of Deuteronomy, it says, you will know the signs of a prophet and know if it is true. And you need the confirmation of two witnesses. The angel saying to you, I got two witnesses here. First of all, is what I'm going to tell you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. You'll know what I told you, that good tidings and joy are on the horizon because you are about ready to go and find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. I'm pretty sure these shepherds are thinking, well, wait a minute. I thought Messiah was going to be, you know, king of kings, lord of lords, and he's a baby. A lot of times I have found in our lives that the Lord Jesus Christ presents us a gift in a box that we don't want. And we miss that. We're like, don't want this box. We don't even open it. I'm so glad that these shepherds and the wise men did not take that attitude or we would have completely missed the birth of Jesus Christ. I don't think it would have been missed because obviously the Lord of Lords is on this end. We knows, and we can't do anything here that would stop his plans. That's very reassuring. For unto us a child is born and a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You'll find that in Isaiah 9, 6. And I know these shepherds, at least one of them. Like when I read 
from the Bible, I kind of picture it like, I try to make it as lively and as my mind as I can see. What's going through their minds? And it's so easy when you read the Bible, you just read to read and you miss some of these things. Oh, I got to get my daily reading done. I got to get four chapters or six chapters or one. That in that, we just read and we miss. When you're reading the Bible, you should be reading to absorb, not just to read. You should be absorbed. What is the Lord speaking me to, to today? And in Isaiah 9, I'm sure somewhere along the lines of these shepherds, one of them was rem remembered this. Hey, I heard that in the synagogue, that for unto us a child is born, a son is given. But in a lot of their minds, they thought that the Messiah would come and he would free them from Rome. That he would free them from oppression. And I'm pretty sure at some level, they're thinking a baby wrapped in clothes is going to be the savior of the world. In their minds, so this goes back to perspective, that we can lose sight of Christmas because Christmas is, we can think about it, you know, the physical sense. Christmas is about a spiritual sense. That yes, that babe would grow one day, and as Pastor Ron said, 33 years later, die on the cross and save us spiritually from the worst kind of oppression, which is the oppression of being separated from God, Father God, for all eternity. And not only that, while they're looking to sing in Rome, just even with their governor and their king, Herod, was out there just a couple years ago, sweep through the land of Israel trying to stop this prophecy and killed all kinds of young baby boys. And they're sitting here probably listening to that angel as we are sitting here today listening to the message of the world with a question mark, kind of like a little balloon, question mark in it. But, you know, that's what I love about the Bible because we know how it ends. And it's so easy to focus on, you know, just Jesus being born. You know, the story is one story. We can cut it up, we, but that cheapens it. It destroys that. So during this Christmas season, don't forget about that Easter is down the road. Easter is true today. It's true in April or March, wherever it falls. It's true every single day. And those shepherds would have known those prophecies. The angel continues and says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on the earth, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth. Just like those shepherds, sitting there thinking about Rome and Herod and us today, thinking about the way, not the opposite of peace, you know, I guess, unpeace in the world today. Goodwill toward men. We live in a world and a culture today that there is not a lot of goodwill toward men. I was out shopping yesterday, and I held the door for someone. Like, they were, like, 20 feet away from me, a nice little lady. And she came out, and she's like, give me this weird look. Like, who are you? You're weird. Like, that should not be weird. That should be the norm. So I message you, young men and men, hold the door for ladies. Let's honor them. That's right. She's like, she's like, thumbs up. Um, that's worthy of an amen. Um, and I'm pretty sure back in the oppression of Rome, there was not a lot of goodwill toward men back then either. It was me and my sheep, me and my farm, me and my business in the city of Jerusalem, me and my sacrifice, me and my existence. We need to remember that when we look at the context of the Bible, Malachi being the last book of the Old Testament or the last book of the Torah, there was 600 years between that being written and this angel showing up. That's a lot of silence in Israel sitting there with a lot of question marks. I think we feel that stress today in today's world because we don't have eyes to hear. And I mean, 
eyes to see and ears to hear. And the message there is, you know, there's this thing out there called worldness versus Christmas. And that's the second point. Worldness does not bring with it peace and goodwill, nor does it bring good tidings. When, before I was a Christian, when I worked at Target, um, my family, it was world mist. I called it retail mist because we were lived in a retail family. Um, world mist, retail mist. And eventually got to the point where I loathed this time of year. Loathed it. And it's very easy. Just an example, last night was one of our busiest nights of my job. It's stressful. It's aggravating. And I could lose sight of the whole reason. Grumbling, which I kind of did. You know, I need to correct myself in that, that I should have focused on the real reason. She's like, Jesus Christ, and he's providing for me. You know, if there's nobody in the restaurant, I don't pay my electric bill. So I should have been jumping up and down like, I'll figure this out. And I am, I just really, really want to say this, is that, you know, for those of you that are struggling this time of year with tragedy and dealing with perspective, I get that. A couple weeks ago, uh, we had a regular that disappeared for a while, and we found out that um, his wife died. And all of us were kind of surprised because we thought it would be the other way around. He's a, a veteran of the Vietnam War. He's had a stroke, and his wife is taking care of him. And all of a sudden, we saw them come in, and we were all excited. And instantly, we knew something was wrong. Where's Shirley at? Um, usually, we'd hear her voice resounding through the park before she even got to our front door. And you know, just having a conversation with them that, you know, tragedy happened during the holidays. Three days after Thanksgiving, she died. The light of their world. And it's so easy that, you know, we, our hearts get locked onto people and onto things and into traditions. And the Bible says, you know, I am a jealous God, put nothing before me. You are to worship me, not me too, but worship the Lord Jesus Christ and Father God. In a lot of ways, in our relationships, we are not careful with that, and we exalt all the wrong things. And at this time, we're going to do a, um, Stu's public service announcement for the church. I have a pet peeve, and this drives me nuts. This concept of Xmas kills me. Kills me, kills me. I cannot, there's only one other thing that drives me more crazy than seeing Xmas, especially in the church world, is when people amen the wrong thing. We say this word a lot, and we use it about 50% of the time the wrong way. Amen means let it be. So when we say Satan's out there killing, stealing, and destroying, we amen that? Stop doing that. Please stop doing that. I hear that and it drives me nuts. But this is the big one. Of all pet peeves that happens in the Christian world and in our capital C churches, this idea of Xmas kills me. Because we are Xing out Christ. And I've heard some people say, well, the X is like a cross. And I'm like, well, that's farce because if it's a cross, use the letter T. T-mess. But even then, we are not to ever at any point change the name of Christ. That's what the world wants us to do. We see it everywhere in our churches. We don't even like saying the name. Some churches don't even like saying the name Jesus. I've been in some of those churches, and they're empty and they're dry. So I love this church that we say Jesus' name, and we do it with you know, excitement, and there's no fear. But we need to be real with each other as a church that there is a message out there trying to drain that out of our church world because Satan knows in that name there's power. They won't use his name. They have no power, and they are defeated. They are mine. They are easy targets. They are a flock of sheep with no shepherd. So if you're here today, and I see you use it, I will correct you. I correct my family. They are not believers, but 
They will ever, they'll use it. I will send them capital C-H-R-I-S-T, must. I make sure they see the word Christ what, and what they're doing. And I tell them, please stop doing this. Please, please, please. That's like, you know, you know, in their world, football is really big. That's like me saying your team is horrible. But on an epic, more potent for me, because Christ is the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Good use of the word, amen. There we go. Um, I want to see this stopped. If you're doing it, stop it. I'm telling you right now, do not do it. You are removing Christ. And I'm going to tell you in my mind, this is Stu speaking. That is about as close to blasphemy as you can get without me being like, I mean, I'm very careful to use that. That's blasphemous in my world. My world. And I'm pretty sure there's enough scripture that I can connect that together and say, stop doing it. You are spreading the wrong message when you're using that word Xmas. So continuing back into Luke chapter 2. Um... We need to remember that a Savior who is Christ the Lord was born today. Must in Spanish means more. So when I see the word Christmas, I think more Christ. And we are in definitely living in a world that is not doing more Christ during this season. And I'm not perfect at this. I have been called out on a few things that I have done this even this Christmas season. I'm like, man, why was I thinking when I did that? Uh, my tree fell over and, you know, just... Last year, my star was broken, and just to stick something up there, I threw a little elf hat on top of it. I was called out for doing that, and you know, you're right, that's kind of bad of me. I should know better than that. If this is more about Christ, it would have been better that I left that empty than put something in the world there. More Christ, which brings us to the third point, that when we put Christ in Christmas, we will have a season of peace, of goodwill, and good tidings. The angel said that. I'm bringing good tidings of peace and joy to all the people. All the people, that includes you. That includes me. So if you are sitting in a season of tragedy and mourning and hurt and pain, you're sitting in a season of want and a season of need, it's so easy to forget that Christ will give you that peace that you're looking for those good tidings that you're looking for, and good news for all the people. And well, some people will say, well, you can celebrate world myths and go through the holidays, and yeah, it'll be amazing. I've heard that before. Some people are like, oh, Stuart, you're just getting caught up in the season, the hype. And I know plenty of people who celebrate world myths, and their time of the year is amazing, and I'm going to follow through their traditions because they have just as good a time as you do, and they don't require all that Jesus stuff because Jesus offends some people. And if you're that person today and you've heard that and you're kind of thinking that, I'm going to dispel that right now. When you go and ask that person celebrating World Miss January 1st about 9 o'clock and you come find me and you see who's in a better mood, who's not feeling dry and empty, the test of time will tell. Sooner or later, that person celebrating World Miss will deflate and run out of gas. My battery is charged by the Holy Spirit and it gets refreshed and renewed every single day. That person celebrating World Miss is not going to be able to go on forever. Some of them make it to Valentine's Day. Some of them somehow might make it to Easter. But sooner or later, they're going to hit a dry spell. I have never, I've been in that boat. I've hit post-holiday seasons in years past and realized, whoa, I missed it. If you're feeling dry even now or come, you know, after the holidays, you missed it. Because you focused 
maybe on all the wrong things, the hustle bustle, trying to get to holiday parties, trying to get all your shopping done, things wrapped, trees hung, lights unraveled, lights back in a box, hoping next year that when you pull them out, they won't be in a tangled mess. It's not possible. I've tried many years. It goes in the box, and it's coming out tangled no matter how you put them in there. But it's so easy that we miss putting Christ into Christmas. I would challenge you in the next two weeks between now and Christmas, because it is two weeks away. A couple more days, but we're going to round. It's two weeks. We even say three weeks. That's not a lot of time. I would challenge you to make sure at some level you stop, take some quiet time, disengage from all the hustle and the bustle, and meditate on the Christmas story. Luke 2 is a great place to start. I've just pulled out three or four verses, and we've spent some time pulling them, nuggets of truth out of those. Make sure you do that. Every year that I have found that I've done that, and I do it almost right after Thanksgiving because I know it's coming. I spend time to stop and to read and to meditate and dwell upon God's word, tuck it away in my heart. Because I know during this season, we are super vulnerable to the enemy of our souls robbing us blind of something amazing. And I'm telling you today, I have, if I can exist in 17 years of service industry retail and still love this time of the year, no matter what goes on, there's hope for you. Hope for you for sure. And I know some people, some people I consider wise counsel in my life, in the retail world, in the service industry world, that are leaders in the church. Some of them are leaders in their family. And if they love this time of year and they hang on to it, there's hope for them and me. There's hope for you. Light of the world. In verses 10 through 12, it says, And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. There's a period there. And there's not an extra two periods, which means there's an addition on to there. There's an inference there that there is an offering to accept that statement as truth, or you can reject it as that's for everybody else but me. We, during this Christmas season, choose to accept the truth of Christmas, which is the personage of Jesus Christ being born in a manger as Messiah, or we can reject that message. I pray today that none of us reject that message, for there are indeed consequences to that, you know, physical, spiritual, eternal currently. For when we put Jesus Christ in Christmas, or more Christ, we get those things of joy and peace and good tidings. And those words reverberate in my mind, and I'm instantly thought of another passage of the Bible that is probably one of the most dear of all the scriptures and all the passages and all the things that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And in Galatians 5:22 through 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or in some translations, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against the such, there is no law. Having the Spirit of God in you, that's where that first part, the fruit of the Spirit, having Jesus Christ in your heart, will bring you this whole list. And, oh, wow, I don't know if I want to see a more complete resume of what Christmas should be but love and joy and peace and patience for sure. Because even just needing something really small in a store now is like an epic level effort these days until shopping season is done. For when we focus on Jesus Christ, not just in the season, but every day, you will experience these things in your life. That's 
that's a promise that can, oh, the screen's not there, um, that you'll have every single day. That um, love and joy and peace and patience, that's a promise. It goes back to what that angel said. You can accept the promise or you can reject the promise. I say this a lot on Tuesday, but this verse right here is, hangs in every four-square church. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is so critically important because those promises of the angels speaking to those shepherds, the same promises to us today. And in the back there, we have those four squares. Why we're called a four-square church? That Jesus Christ is the King and our Savior. He is the, our baptizer and the Holy Spirit. He is our healer and our soon-and-coming King. As we look at this passage, we see all four of those come to life. And so many of us are waiting for a miracle this Christmas season to release us from that pain, to release us from that hurt, to release us from that tragedy, or release us from that thing that Satan is trying to bind and trap or grinch our Christmas. And that miracle is available to you today. And I want to put this together, that we, as we leave today, that we hang on to these three things. Um, the first one is that worldmas or Xmas is a cheap knockoff. I want you to hear that. It is true. Worldmas and Xmas is a cheap knockoff. I don't know about you, but I want the real deal. If it's available to me, which it is, for free, I want that. Secondly, Jesus is the reason for the season, not Santa Claus and his elves. Super easy to get focused on that. The world is flooding us with those great Christmas movies. In all fairness, I can't stand Elf. Will Ferrell annoys the living crap out of me. And I know some of you are like, oh, that's craziness. Well, it is. First of all, that's the wrong message for Christmas, and he's obnoxious. Thirdly, Jesus Christ is Savior and brings joy and good tidings. And some of us today, this is the first time you've heard this message. And first from you, it's the first time in a long time you've heard it, and you've been reminded of this. And I think I want all of us corporately, we're going to pray in a couple minutes, you know, a blessing of Christmas. And some of you are going to quickly realize it is the prayer of salvation and it's something we need to be reminded of daily. Not just, you know, those who are far from God coming to him or that have journeyed afar, the prodigal son and coming back. But even for those of us who are Christians and are discipled and are spiritually sound, we are constantly under attack and we constantly need to be prepared because Satan is out there and his resume is to kill kill, steal, and destroy. And he wants to rob you of Christmas this year. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for all that you did for us, that um, you did indeed come down from your heavenly throne to planet Earth. Um, and I'm so grateful that you know all of the things that are going on in my life, for you experienced those. And during this Christmas season, we as a church, we want to exalt to you, Lord Jesus. We want to worship you, and we want to come before you and receive of you that you are indeed the source of joy. You are the source of peace and love. For against that, there is no law, that there is nothing that Satan can do that can steal that from us if we use your name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that is you today, that you want to receive Jesus Christ or to recommit your life to Jesus today, this Christmas season, then I ask you to slip your hand in the air if that is you today. Thank you. And we as a congregation, we need to remind of this of every single day. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this with those that are making this decision in their heart today, that Lord Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I invite you into my heart today and ask that you be 
the leader, the forgiver, and the friend of my life. Not only today, not in this, just this Christmas season, but every day. And these things I ask in your name, Lord Jesus.